The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 17 The wind was hot and dry, a gust of it blowing back my tussled black hair, exposing their red roots beneath. Hundreds of feet below, a rust-colored desert spread in every direction, broken only by spiraling coral-like formations that rose periodically from the sands. Above, a huge red sun burned in the fiery skies. I stood upon a stone disk, about a hundred yards in diameter, covered in sigils and floating high above the desert sands of this alien world. Opposite me stood the being known as Jabir Vijal Andatruvius, his scaly orange figure looking like it fit perfectly on this alien world. Well, simulated alien world, though it all felt as real as I could imagine it being. Moments ago, I had stepped into an utterly nondescript white room on the Amethyrium's central deck. Jabir had clapped his hands, and here we were. At least I guessed it was simulated, though I supposed teleportation wasn't entirely out of the question either. Anyway, I'd been told to come here for training. Of what sort, I wasn't entirely sure. Jabir grinned at me as he took a few steps forward. Behold, the simulation of the planet called Vijnaval. It is a place I once called home, back before my awakening. My world was a rough one, young student, a place of strict discipline, where warrior clans would fight for the honor of distant gods. It looks uh, fun, I said, glancing down at the rugged desert below, then back at Jabir. That it was not, Initiate. It is a hard world, designed to breed a hard people. Loyal servants, soldiers, dedicated and strong. There were sweet moments, to be sure, but more trials and struggles. Still, I learned much there. And today, I will teach you a portion of that. Jabir lifted his left hand in the air and a pole arm appeared in it, materializing into existence. A long metal pole with serrated blades on both ends. He shifted his weight forward into a fighting stance. You have access to some battle training programs. I have seen you fight beside Zirathra. Even take down some Veyr with assistance. But today, you learn to fight as Anayar fights. Jabir nodded his head and a three-foot-long silvery sword appeared in my own hands. I could feel its weight. I waited further instructions, a pang of nervousness coming up. I still wasn't all that confident about fighting. Not like this, one-on-one, without tricks up my sleeve. Come at me, he said, spinning the pole arm in one hand and then switching to a two-handed grip. I did so, taking a step forward and then swinging my sword at the lizard man. He easily deflected my half-hearted attack, his pole arm in position to block, as if he could tell exactly where my strike would land. Again. Zabir rolled his slitted eyes. I followed with another attack, this time a thrust aimed at his midsection. Zabir twisted back, leaping easily away. 
Oh, come on, he said, his tail waving mockingly in my direction. You'll fight like one asleep, no better than a beast. Feeling a bit annoyed, I followed with a series of slashes. A maneuver from the Monad's combat files. Jabir let loose a squealing laugh as he blocked, dodged, and parried each blow. He swung his weapon downward, faster than I could step back, and I could feel a jolt of pain as my feet gave way beneath me, and I fell to the stony floor. I let loose a groan and began to lift my body up. He is right. You are pathetic, spoke a voice from within. But Kibra, her judgment was palpable. Hey, I'm doing what I can, I answered her back. I never did much sparring. Correct. Just hiding and running. You never followed the path of a warrior, Kef. Even in the tower's trials, you stumbled your way to victory. I had no counter-argument to that. My weapons were quiet feet, appropriate discretion, and a touch of luck. Combat had always been a last resort. That had gotten me to where I was, which at that moment was laying on the ground. Mentally, Bakibra was reaching out to me, offering her services, her skills at my disposal. Her presence was heavy, ready for a fight, hungry for battle. I gave in to her. I let her come to the forefront. I stood up facing Jabir. Bakibra manifest as a warmth within my lungs. I hurled my blows at him, swinging and thrusting at the lizard, years of practice guiding my attacks. There was an anger flowing through me. The rage of a person who had spent a lifetime restrained in a suit that drained their vitality away. Who had denied themselves love and companionship in favor of duty and discipline. I took that on. Made it my own. Kef and Bakibra became one person, launching a barrage of blows at Jabir. There may have been a bit of surprise on his reptilian face. Even admiration as he raised his own weapon in defense, backpedaling across the platform as I continued to assault him, a fierce energy upon me. Good, Kef, he growled out, now at the edge of the stone disc. But a truly awakened warrior must learn to fight on multiple levels. At those words, I felt my feet growing unsteady, the ground beneath me wobbling. I paused my attacks as I began to fall, Bakibra receding back into my subconscious. The platform itself was moving, tilting backward. I drifted down along with it, my feet sliding across the smooth surface. I tried to jump forward, towards where Zabir stood, apparently unaffected by the movement. But as the platform continued to rotate, I fell with it, tumbling towards the edge. I thrust my hands forward to grasp the side, but found no grip. My guts churned as I plummeted towards the distant ground, reactively closing my eyes. Seconds later, my back hit a soft cushion. I lay in a circular pit filled with hundreds of soft, stringy balls. The walls were the same backlit white ones I had seen when entering the chamber. The platform, skies, and scenery of that desert world were all gone. I had not fallen to my death. Well, because this was just a simulation. Jabir stood at the cusp of the pit I lay in, looking down at me and shaking his head, his tail moving along with it. His weapon was gone, as was my own. There is no shame, Initiate Kef. This lesson was not about simple combat. Yeah, it was about you cheating and knocking me off a platform. I stuck my tongue out at him. Real battle will seldom be fair. The Veyer will use far deadlier tactics than that. 
The Nayar fight with more than just their bodies and their blades. Jabir waved his hand and the stony platform reappeared, upright once again and hovering high above that desert landscape, complete with dry winds and searing heat on my skin. I sprang to my feet. The key is the Atra. You have already learned to see it, discovered how to direct it to make yourself invisible. We all have some latent talents such as that, talents which we likely learned in some distant incarnations long lost to the eons. Innate skills are easier to develop without training, but the Atra can be used in other ways. Yep, seen the way you move. Zerathra too, fast as a scragging bullet. I'm guessing this has something to do with that. It is simple to use her Atra to enhance her own body, to bolster its healing, to strengthen its muscles, to hasten its movements. The Atra is always present in your body, after all. Without it, all you would have is an inanimate corpse. So what do I do? I asked. First, you must go inward. Sense the Atra. Feel it. See it. It took me a moment to do so, but Kibra's tense energy is still in my mental field. I let it go with a breath, then moved my eyes in that spiral pattern Z had taught me. All around me, the Atra spun, its vibrant particles hovering in the air, coalescing around Jabir, seeming to stick to him like brambles. I could feel it in me too, tingly, electric, worm, the Atra. I still didn't get all the crazy theory behind it, but at that point it was obviously real, and even seeing it felt good, empowering. Jabir swished his raptor hand through the air, particles of the Atra gravitating towards it, then swirling around it in an orbit. He raised said hand and those particles began to coalesce, gathering in the spot just above his palm, the area growing ever brighter as he breathed in and out. Then it began to move down his arm and swirl about in spirals as it went down into his chest, his abdomen and extremities. Do the same as I did, he said, now radiant with light. Let the Atra come to you. Take it in. Absorb it. Let it flow through your system as it is meant to do. I gazed at the particles floating through the air, like tiny golden seeds of light adrift in the wind. I then willed them to come my way, subtly nudging them with my mind, like I'd done in the training in the garden, the same kind of thought action I had performed tons of times with the ships. The Atra responded, and just like with Jabir, it began to flow around me, dancing in spirals about my form as I felt a slight vibration, almost ticklish. Now focus it on your legs, first your feet and toes, then your heels and ankles, calves and thighs. Allow it to enter the muscles, the bones, the blood vessels, and connecting nerves. Will it to bolster them, strengthen them, enhance your mind's connection to your own legs. I did so when the Atra flowed into those legs. A rush of heat, a brief tightening and loosening of the muscles, followed by a sense of comfort, a steadiness on my feet I had never felt before. Then wheel the Atra to flow around your legs, to spiral about, to create a tiny gravitational field that is yours to command, that will hasten your movements, lighten your step, or anchor you to the ground when needed. The idea may seem complex, but it is simple. The pathways for the Atra to travel are already programmed into the monad. It knows what to do. You must merely guide it with your intent. And it was simple. 
There was a rush of energy as I directed the Atra along the pathways, seeing it orbit my legs, the field expanding out over them. Now let us try this again, said Jabir with a wink. Another wave of his taloned hand caused the platform to move again, this time spinning like a top. As the platform began to rotate, to swerve, to shake, I concentrated on my legs, on the atric field gathered around them. It anchored me to the stone disc, and though the surface shook and moved, I stepped stably across it. A smile came to my lips. This felt good. A bit awkward at first, but as I continued to walk nimbly across the spinning platform, high above the simulated desert, it was like being a kid with a new toy. I wondered at all the awesome possibilities. Could I do super jumps? Fly? Jabir stepped towards me, his pole arm once again materializing in his hands. No time to play, Kef, he said, spinning his weapon once in the air, before thrusting it straight at my stomach. I stepped aside, the Atra pushing me along, out of the reach of the weapon's sharp end. Then I focused on Jabir, on dodging and blocking the attacks he hurled my way. As I stepped, I could sense the Atra behind every motion, gently nudging me, quickening my steps, and simultaneously steadying them. A single thought caused my own weapon to reappear in my hands. I followed with a flurry of my own attacks, allowing the Atra to guide my every move. Soon I was in the flow of it, engaged in a melee like some bizarre dance. Our blades clashed and clattered atop that rotating disc, in the middle of a simulated sky. And as the minutes passed into hours, and the training continued, I knew my reflexes were quickening, my skills growing. But I also knew that this was just a step in the long, possibly endless journey that was to follow. Though the training session had been pretty rough, I was feeling oddly exhilarated, energized, awake, confident. So, instead of returning to my quarters to practice some meditation, I decided it was about time to see what Z was up to. A quick look into the monad showed me a map of the Amethyrium and revealed that she was in meditation room E12. I stepped onto the station's transport belt, the halls zooming past until I saw the entry of said room, where a door opened up for me. Zerothra sat cross-legged in the meditation chamber, her entire body floating two feet in the air as she gently hummed and stared up at the crystal before her, which grew directly from the ground, rising up eight feet. Beneath its clear surface was contained a pure white flame, burning on nothing, but flickering and shining nevertheless. Zerothra was the sole occupant of the room, until I stepped in. I stood there in the open doorway for a bit, just watching her. The room's subtle light really brought out the spiraling white sigils, tattooed across Z's sky-blue flesh. She had her azure hair tied back in a bun, and wore a simple but elegant white robe, with blue geometries engraved on its matching sash. As Erathra breathed in and out, particles of Atra were drawn to her body, coalescing slowly around her form as she meditated, granting her a golden halo. I stopped watching and stepped onto the meditation room's spongy padded floor. Sensing me enter, Zerothra floated to the ground and stood to her feet. She looked directly at me, her violet-hued eyes a glimmer in the shining light of the crystal. Oh, hi, Z, I said, forcing a dumb smile onto my lips. Greetings to you as well, Kef, she returned, nodding her head at me and maybe half smiling. How may I assist you? 
Just figured I'd finally catch up with you. See how you're healing and all that. We both took some nasty hits down on that moon. I'm recovering well. My physical system is nearly at optimal levels again. Though it will take some effort to regain the Atra I expended during the fighting. And yourself? Never been better. I threw up a cocky grin. Both Demania and Jabir have told me of your lessons. It seems that you take naturally to the Nayar teachings, despite the limited facilities. So, I'm guessing you're not about to ship me out of system for some training again, eh? Not now, she responded, letting loose a sigh. As she did so, her hair undid itself from the bun and gracefully fell back into its usual wavy shape. Ordinarily, you would be processed as a normal initiate of the Nayar, which would require many cycles of battle training, meditation, and teachings on morality. We try not to rush the process. It takes time and practice for souls to evolve beyond their basic farm world mentality, with its focus on survival and security. But obviously I'm far from ordinary, as I'm sure you've seen. I tossed up a wink. The situation is far from ordinary. The Veyer are putting forth remarkable effort in order to prevent us from leaving with you. In addition, our sojourn into the Gaxinal Four Temple provided you with enough rudimentary training that you should be able to function at a decent level of competence, even if you lack the intricacies of Nair philosophy to back your actions. You have already learned to wield the Atra at a basic level, and are connected to our group mind in the monadic network. You have proved your efficacy in battle. I feel that the ordinary training can wait until after this matter is settled. So why are those javgaggers after me, really? I know, you said something about me having some kind of info they need, hidden away in my mind. But what's that even mean? That is what we intend to discover. It's one of those past life things, isn't it? She nodded. Like what I got a glimpse of back in the tower, or in that mirror room in the basement here. I shook my head and groaned. Are you having issues adjusting to such ideas? Uh, I don't know. It's just a bit weird is all. Thinking I wasn't always me. That before I was born as Kef, I was someone else. And someone else before that. I mean, they were all different people. Different names, personalities, all sorts of genders and beliefs to them. But it was also all me. And when I think about it enough, I can even sort of remember. Like I was there. Now that you are connected to the monad, it should be simple enough to focus upon those past lives and unveil the exact details of what the Veyr seek. Some among the Nyar may assist in guiding you into your own mind. In fact, within 48 standard hours, you will be directed to begin the process. Got it. I gave Z an affirmative thumbs up. I stood there for another few moments, looking like a real yug, wanting to say something else but not quite doing it. Is there anything more I can assist you with? She finally asked, giving me a quizzical stare. So, uh, about that kiss from before. What about it? Uh, are we gonna talk about that? I tossed up the best awkward grin I could muster. I do not see what there is to talk about. Her expression remained ever steady. The fact that we just had an awesome, passionate, wonderful kiss back there. I mean, we could talk about it or, uh, do it some more? Whatever works. She huffed rolling her eyes at me. What happened in the midst of battle was a moment of passion. We were both caught up in the energies of the fight, accentuated by our mind link. Yeah, it brought up something that's been there for a while. 
I mean, you seem to have liked it, or at least you didn't tell me to stop. She shrugged. I am not certain what to say. It was a moment of pleasure, yes. But it does not in any way suggest a romantic entanglement. These are troublesome times. We are not living in a peaceful sector, and neither of us have the time or mental energy to engage in such attachments. It doesn't have to be an attachment. It's not like we gotta get married or anything. From what I gather, folks don't even do that up here. It's clear we're both into it. We can take it slow, keep it casual, see where our passions take us. I was still terrible at this sort of thing. Keep in mind that the monad is measuring each action that we take, even among one another. At this moment, our status differences and our positions in Nyar society might create undesirable consequences, resulting in a decrease in both of our morality rankings. Ugh, so that's it then. Status thing. Am I still just some lowly farm world yug, undeserving of your divine grace? That is most certainly not the case. I have told you before that I sensed a powerful potential in you. From the first moment I met you, Kef, I noticed certain unusual energies in your field. Your capabilities mark you as an advanced soul, far above your farm world peers. And yet you are different from the typical Nyar candidates who are mostly monastic types, philosophers, religious saints, or scientists. You still wear the mask of a joker. A love life, a yug, as you would say. But that you are not. You are a conundrum, Kef, and I have made it my goal to discover what lies at your core. Yet the fact still remains. A romantic entanglement between us right now would only result in tragedy and misfortune. Thus I decline it, and will remain as your teacher and companion. Right, I responded. Got it! I looked away from Zarathra and loosed a grunt of acknowledgement, which rapidly transitioned into a sigh. I then spun about and walked out the room. Yup. She was right, of course, I thought as I zipped through the halls of the Amethyrium on its rapidly moving conveyor. Mentally, I agreed. But my emotional self was not in agreement at all. Still yearning. Still wanting to continue what I'd started with that amazing kiss. I pushed those desires down. Maybe the compassion meditation could help me process all this. Or perhaps the monad held some kind of workaround for sexual frustration. Whatever the case was, I knew there'd be no sweet romance for me. Not right then. As the door to my room melted out of the wall, I resigned myself to that fact. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.